Welcome to Helpful Social Work. Social work has the power to change people's lives for the better. This podcast aims to help you learn, think and act with integrity so people who need social work get help that will transform their lives. Welcome to Series 8 of Helpful Social Work and I'm Jo. I'm Jerry, and in this series, we're talking about sustainable social work in terms of how we look after ourselves as we go about doing uh, social work. We're drawing on evidence of what helps social workers, including the Working Conditions Toolkit from the British Association of Social Workers. Last month, we were talking about peer support as a really central element of managing stress and kind of helping you thrive. Um, and actually, this last month, I've been um, involved in looking at the initial findings from a research project on social work with older people. And one of the things that's coming out strongly uh, in terms of what sustains people in the context is peer support. And that's uh, experienced social workers helping newly qualified social workers, newly qualified social workers and students, inspiring kind of curiosity and discussion, um, having social workers as managers or supervisors, um, leaders who kind of get social work, have got a social work background who are supporting people. Um, and there's a real generosity in how people are sharing their time and not not just giving people knowledge, but giving real strong emotional support and role modelling of that. So that really resonated. It was quite interesting. We were talking about it last time and then I've been looking at these findings and, and yeah, the, the observational findings. So we're seeing people do this, you know, seeing it in action. Yeah, and that's um, I'm glad we're talking about that research during this um, project, Jerry, because I think there'll be several times when it will be um, a really good demonstration. So last time we did start actually talking about um, today's topic, which is this wider professional support. And this is the support that you can access as a member of the social work profession. So because I am a social worker, there are things out there that I can access and think about. And I'd already talked about um, the International Federation of Social Workers, and we often talk about the British Association of Social Work social workers and most countries have a professional association which is often a trade union um so i was a member of the australian association of social work super active um, um, association actually yeah yeah so um it's it's you know there's a lot out there um in different countries for people to look at and, and see you know where where who's holding your social work identity and um who's supporting that identity and and challenging it in places um, we said last time we talked about the definition of support and we said that it was to bear or hold up, to keep from weakening. But my favourite bit is the fact that it's from Latin and it means to carry from below. And I just I love that image associated with social work. It just feels to me like um, putting your shoulder in, into the weight or into the difficulty, you know, and, and, and helping lift something up. And I think that's a just it felt nice for me. It makes me think me. of a kind of gymnastic tower <laughs> with like all these social workers doing this kind of complicated <laughs> yeah. pyramid. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And it also made me think a little bit about the uh, big processions that you see um, in Malta and places like that where they're carrying oh, really heavy yeah shrines <laughs> and things but with lots of people carrying yeah, them, yeah. lots you just so many people that the weight is completely distributed across it um which is which is lovely so it's about how that whole profession sustains and supports itself and i think that that idea of you know having so many 
shoulders standing there, that the weight's distributed evenly is, is a nice thought. Um, we often talk about the Baswell Working Condition Toolkit, and I, and I think that's because it's got so much great stuff in it and because it's a real living document and a living piece of research. It's going on and it's being updated all the time. Um, and so they talk a little bit about what the collective national identity as a profession support and how it supports well-being at work. And it talks about experiencing peer support, which Jerry's just mentioned, and a sense of professional community that stays with you wherever you work. Um, and I, I want to talk a little bit more about that, unpick that. So it's that strengthening of an independent professional identity. Developing professional confidence, which is through contributing practice positions and commentaries, um, you know, whenever we have social work awards and social workers talk about what they do, I think that's a really lovely way of contributing to that. It also helps us feel represented and visible um, and hopefully in national debates and decisions as well. So with the government, policymakers and media, and um, to me, that feels really important as well. Having a professional code of ethics, it's linked to go global principles of rights and justice. So, you know, if you look at our profession, and I know we have, we're lucky to have listeners um, from around the globe, and we we have commonalities, don't we? That's why we're sitting here together thinking about this, um, because we're linked um, in our principles of rights and justice really accessing continual professional development opportunities for current work and for our career aspirations and being regularly linked to research and knowledge creation. And a few things I wanted to pull out of this just very quickly, because I have realise I'm just chatting on and on, um, is about our independent professional identity, because our professional identity is not the place we work. It's the work we do, why and how we do it. And it's so important to have a good source of support outside your place of work, which is about social work, not about your role in an organisation or not about the organisational requirements. Um, and, you know, that's, I think, one of the reasons we talk a lot about the British Association of Social Work and also about the um, International Federation of Social Work. But there's also um, quite a lot of other bodies out there that are helpful in um, allowing you to think about social work as a whole. And and the other thing I just want to say, Jerry, for me is that being visible is really tricky for social workers because of the pace and demand of work. And it means that people who've stepped away from direct work to in a, a, a kind of left influencing the profession um, and they're left with a stronger voice. And I include myself in that group. And it doesn't mean that what we say doesn't have value or purpose, but it does mean we're often speaking on behalf of our colleagues um, and that we need to be really mindful about how we transfer that voice and how we listen to what people are saying and how we encourage representation. Um, and that includes in knowledge creation too. And I'm a huge fan of projects like the one Jerry's talking about, about to talk about, um, because it really brings together the knowledge of what's happening in practice at the moment and it marries it with that research. And I think that that's so powerful. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the the people who know social work the best very often aren't the ones who've got the time to speak about social work. Um, yes. So there's a lot of work that those national associations and international associations do or the researchers do to really try and kind of 
see what people, what social workers are doing and hear their voices. Um, so this research project around social work with older people is observational research and interviews with social workers and with the people that they're working with, particularly the older people and carers. Um, and I just wanted to pick out a few things that I've read recently from what social workers have said about what it means to them to be to be a social worker, so about their professional identity. So this is one social worker. Uh, we don't discriminate, we uphold people's rights, we're creative, we consult, we collaborate over solutions. I'm the person who has to be the voice of the voiceless. I have to advocate for people, I have to fight for people, I have to push for the right outcomes, for instance, and see it in some sort of like, I don't know, mission. Um, someone else talking about um, the job, really, um, of, of being a social worker rather than the particular role benefit from my experience and confidence and the people I work with do too. 99% of social workers genuinely enjoy the job, it's fine. A lot of the bad days are because of the system, not the people. You're not gonna have all good days, so you have to learn to absorb the bad days. And I think that idea of it, seeing it as about the people and not the system, so you happen to work in a particular place, mm. but the work that you're doing is, is what matters, the people that you're with, the, the way that you're doing it and the interactions and things like that. Um, and we've both been around long enough to have worked under kind of different systems. I worked under different laws because the mm. adult social care law changed completely. Um, you know, so it's still social work. Um, and that's what you hear kind of the experienced social workers say. Yeah, they talk, people talk about real social work, don't they? Which By which they mean the stuff that's grounded in our ethics and capabilities and purpose, not the particular system and then this other quote from a social worker which I absolutely love just says what's my role I think sometimes it's just being that hopeful person and mm -hmm. there's so this is things that kind of really come out strongly about what it means to be a social worker but also there's a real sense of those um, elements of the work the hopefulness or the enjoyment of it or the um, the feeling of purpose like really sustaining those social workers um, and I think if you if you are focused on process it's hard to sustain yourself but if you're focused on purpose it's much more possible to do that yes i i think that's that's great and it's lovely to hear those quotes jerry and i was um talking about this talking about preparing for this podcast with my son the other day and um i was talking about you know oh, it's really important as social workers that we know what what makes us you know what makes us a distinct profession and he was like, well, mum, I think that's really easy because, you know, like you you do things, practical things and helpful things, and you're not limited to any one area. You know, you can w work across all these different areas if somebody needs a house or if they need this or if they need that. Then, you know, the social worker is the person who looks at that thing, whereas, you know, the teacher only looks at this. or And, and I, I just thought, oh, bless. <laughs> All these, all these years of watching, you know, um, social work and then um, having those experiences himself has led him to have a really clear view of, of you know, that kind of um, lovely, holistic approach mm. that social Which work Which is fantastic, bring. actually. And really, again, chimes back with the research. I didn't put this into, like, what we were talking about in preparation, but the social workers talked about um, their role and said things like, at the end of the day, you're the last point of call, um, and you. Um, we deal with anything that nobody else wants to. Yeah. 
uh, you know, you know, we're the last people on on someone's side, you know, those kind of things. So yeah, actually, that's that why it's quite the... hard to describe. But it's that sense of like, well, it's whatever's needed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, whatever's needed. That was the sense. That was the sense in the message that I got from Ethan, which was really good, you know. And I thought, oh, he's and he's just sucked that in over the years. Of, of watching, you know, social workers around him because I'm not the only social worker he ever gets to meet. <laughs> <It's a lot> <laughs> of... <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was so interesting. So, you know, we want to we really take that, that kind of feeling and, and use it to boost our professional identity. Um, and so how – and then that should help sustain us in work – and so we need to really think about looking as widely as we can. You get your support from your close peers, and that's really important. That's central to sustaining you in your work. But um, Carmel, uh, who's one of our coaches, she often says to me, but everybody's swimming in the same in the same pool, Joe. They're swimming in the same waters. And so you've got to be really careful um, what you're drawing understanding people are going through the same things as us and sometimes we need to look outside that as well it's so helpful when people go through the same things as you because it can be affirming it's not just you but it can also help to zoom out and look at the big picture with others and for me I think the big picture will include people we're working with friends and families who support them the communities they live in the other professionals they work with or know um, what those communities are saying about our role and how they're interpreting it. And part of the strength of the social work role is we're able to network and link people and resources together. We're not limited by any one approach. So we do look at people holistically. We consider their social, emotional, physical, mental well-being when we work with them. And we draw great support from working as part of a team, so pulling people together. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really... Um, you know, working collaboratively with people. And it's important to remember that social work is the young profession. And although we've always had forms of helpfulness to people in managing stresses and strains of society, social work as a protected and registered term is relatively young, actually. And it's 2005 um, in this country that it's been. Yeah, so we're, we're learning to value our profession as a recognisable independent concrete thing you know not just a place of work mm. but a, but a purpose and, and I, I think that's I think a that's strength as well because it means that social work is already it's built into it that it evolves and adapts and primarily adapts actually from learning from the people that we work with it's not rigid yes. in that sense um, yeah and learning from the people that we work with is absolutely critical and and we have evolved such a long way um in in a short period of time i think um for me so knowing what social work stands for and what makes it unique is something we need to be able to articulate and our code of ethics helps us with that um, and there's been other sources in the UK, such as the Professional Capabilities Framework. There's the registration standards. There was the knowledge and skills statements. And they've also attempted to define mm -hmm. our body of knowledge and practice. Um, but, you know, we need to be able to answer questions like, is our body of knowledge and approach unique enough to justify our existence as a profession with a regulatory body overseeing us? Um, you know, and I've I've heard that debated perhaps, um, you know, a decade ago. Um, 
in government at that time, there was a real conversation about, well, you know, is is our evidence base for social work strong enough and good enough to justify us as a separate profession? As you know, are there roles that only social workers should do and should they be protected? Um, and I think that, you know, we need to be clear in our heads about that and, and how it is that we're different. You know, are we a profession that's employable in many different scenarios? How strong is our independent arm? You know, are we being utilised by the government in, in ways that uh, make us comfort, comfortable or uncomfortable. I think these are all things that we should be thinking about. And I think they're sustaining questions because once we understand the uniqueness of what we can offer, then we can start to formulate our own worth and we can be really more explicit about the way we want to work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite important that social workers are able to say, these are things that we do and these are things we don't do and this is how we understand what our work means and this is who we privilege in our work and this is why we privilege them and and those types of conversations. Um, And so I think independent social work Mm -hmm. and understanding all the different ways that we can contribute to society can be really helpful. Um, So, yeah, for me, I guess this comes down to that, you know, I believe the government should be serving the most vulnerable in our society and that the idea of social work at the heart of government delivery is really valuable, but our role shouldn't be narrowed Mm -hmm. and it needs to be based on our ethics and we need to be able to talk clearly about our our roles and our actions. Mm -hmm. And when I think about it, I think about doctors and nurses who are similarly pressed to manage their integrity and services they deliver to maintain that human focus and relationship against the weight of demands, funding restrictions and administrative requirements. Teachers, you know, have the same types of struggles. So I think we can learn a lot from how other professions manage these tensions and how they keep a thriving professional identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the idea of not looking only to the social work profession, but looking at other human-based professions and seeing how they're managing to keep their professional identity robust and what they're doing about conflicts in the in service, which is bound to happen mm-hmm. if if you know you have a role in society and in in delivery of, of services that are mandated by the government. Yeah, and I think that idea of zooming out from what's going on in your role and in your organization to what's going on in your communities and then your and your wider profession and other professions is really it's really helpful because it does kind of help you think about the potential for social work beyond the particular thing that you happen to be doing at the moment and I think I find it quite heartening actually that you know, one of the reasons why I would argue that social work is necessary is because it exists. It happens where places need, where people need help to um, to kind of get on with their lives and build mm. their communities. And social work just kind of grows up. Um, and it's not necessarily called that initially. Yeah. Um, but actually understanding that that's really what's going on mm. and thinking about the ethics behind it is really, really helpful. But I think yeah, it's heartening that 
you know where it's needed it it, it happens so you um and, yeah, yeah and that and that comes back to that being to it being a grassroots response really doesn't it that a response in communities a response to people's needs um and being shaped by the by the needs of that community which is um yeah. and i think that probably in a in a lot of the um areas where there's been trauma or disaster you can probably see that that kind of grassroots social work flourishing um and we certainly saw it in covid didn't we across the world there were different responses from social workers to the situations that were being faced yeah. um, by different communities. Um, and there was a real growth in how people did things and how they adapted and, and changed their responses, which I think was really powerful. Yeah, and I think the the what you were saying about social work being um, at the heart of state services, I've always thought, I mean, that's part of the reason I got into social work. I worked for a charity yeah. beforehand. And one of the problems that we had in the charity was that actually we were doing things that really the government should be providing for its people. It was mm. in a, an international charity. And so I decided that I'd rather work in statutory services because that's where a lot of these rights, you know, with their rights rather than charity, that's where they should be happening. But and we that's also where being upheld, actually. Yeah, but we also in, have in this, the purest sense when it's mm -hmm. working. Yeah. We also have this really great um, experience in this country, and it happens in a lot of countries where there's social workers working in statutory services, and there's also social workers working in charities challenging those statutory services to be better yeah. um, and to offer different things. And and there's that real kind of uh, I would say it's a kind of collaboration, but it's a collaboration through appropriate challenge. Yeah. Um, and it, and that's about social workers. That's a real support for social workers, isn't it? Because people from different parts of the system and inside and out challenging and encouraging each other to do the best social work we can. Yeah. And and that and that's what we're wanting um, because, it, yeah, as you say, it comes, you know, social work springs from recognising need. Um, in its purest form, I guess. Yeah, can... many social workers work through those different roles as well, and it's held through kind of some of the national associations. There's an example here um, in in the UK of social work without borders, challenging around um, immigration policies, and social workers working in children's services in places that are particularly affected, like say Kent, for example, which is on the coast. Um, you know, using information and, and and advice and support from those social workers. Um, and they're I mean, people kind of who are working in statutory services in their spare time supporting the development of knowledge and campaigning for changes in statutory services. Mm. It's, it kind of people are a lot more than their role. Aren't they? Yes. Um, and globally, that happens as well. So I just wanted to mention because um, there's this part in the toolkit that says about being a social worker means being part of a profession with an identity and community of shared knowledge, skills and ethics that goes beyond your employer and job contract. And actually, it goes beyond your country as well. It goes global. Um, so this example is at the moment. Um, uh, you mentioned the example of COVID that International Federation of Social Workers led on trying to kind of share knowledge about how people was, were responding um, and different associations, different parts of the world helping each other out. There's a more local example at the moment across Europe of um, how social workers are supporting each other to respond to displacement of people mm -hmm. within and outside of Ukraine because of the invasion by Russia last February. Um, 
it's the International Federation of Social Work Europe, which kind of brings together all the national associations in Europe, um, is doing lots of work around this. So there is a Ukrainian association, social workers, um, and there's been a lot of support to that association to strengthen the social work response, including funding services, um, which are kind of reciprocal, collaborative, co-produced services within Ukraine. There's been a lot of support between and to the associations on the border of Ukraine, particularly Poland, Romania, Moldova. Um, there's been a lot of work to share learning of how different countries in Europe have um, have responded. So I went to a, the International Federation of Social Workers Europe conference a few months ago, and for example, there was a workshop by social workers in Munich um, who worked in the main railway station there doing first response as people arrived, um, which was really interesting because we've had the same sorts of things in our airports and railway stations. Um, and then there's also been this real desire to go beyond. Um, so thinking about um, not just how we're responding in Europe to this particular, but what does that mean for us as a profession when um, there's similar situations happening globally, there's other situations happening in Europe, there's other people who are displaced and need support. What can we take from um, what we've been able to do for Ukrainians um, and, and campaign and lobby for how we might much better support, for example, in the UK, people from Afghanistan or Syria or um, you know, all the people who are kind of coming in on small boats. You know, so there's 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 a whole um, there's a whole kind of thing that happens with social work, which I really, really like, which is respond to the thing that's happening, but always be thinking about what does this mean for the bigger picture? Mm. Mm. You know, what can we take from this to to lobby and, and campaign and improve services to other people? And I really love that about social work. There's always that curiosity about what next, you know. Um, and that and that kind of we're, we're always um, picking things up, aren't we? That's, that, you know, like we pick things up from learning all the time and we transfer it across. We, we're always looking at transferable ideas or skills to improve things. And that's some um, I always think of us as a bit of a magpie profession. You know, we're looking for all those shiny, bright things that can be taken to all sorts of places. Um, yeah. And and for me, part of that is is kind of understanding what's working well as a, and and kind of talking about that and and really letting people know um, what what they're doing that that matters and celebrating that. And I think you know the World Social Work Day is a really great idea um, that you know, awards and stories of success and the way we define good social work at these events, they're really helpful and sustaining because it is good to have those role models that demonstrate excellent, impactful work in difficult circumstances and help us to kind of realise how many different approaches there are to working with a situation. I, I find that really, really helpful. Um yeah, and I mean the the other thing that I think we we do, but we could do much better, is to um, is to question the social work professional identity as well, mm. um, and think about yeah, we're doing some great things here, but that's not the whole story. So 
um, actually the response to Ukraine is a really good example. Um, there's been a really positive response to displaced Ukrainians um, that is not the same as the response across Europe. I'm talking, thinking about the whole populations and the, politi um, the politics of it and the governments to displace people from other parts of the world. Mm. And a lot of social workers have, have highlighted that as, as a, an unequal response that comes from, from racism. So yes. it's, and that was discussed quite a lot in the conference that the IFSW Europe held. Um, you know, why is there this different response politically? And what does that mean for us as practitioners? Um, and there's been, I think, a growing willingness to discuss those issues around the social work professional identity. Um, there was an absolutely brilliant article done um, about three years ago in the British Journal of Social Work called Making Sense of Social Work's Troubled Past, mm. which is by um, Vasilios Yokomidis and Nikos Trimikliniotis. Um, and that that kind of, their, their, their thesis really in that was that social work history has kind of neglected engagement with the most troubling aspects of the profession's past. So where we've been complicit or, or agreed to um, in some ways, or at least kind of let go state oppression um so the example in the uk very very much is colonial history um and the suppression of indigenous cultures um and the authors really say that we need to learn from those histories for a number of reasons the first is that if we start thinking of social work as just a technical or neutral activity then whenever that's happened well-being and human rights have suffered um so there has to be a kind of pro-human rights um, right, element to it. Otherwise, there is no neutrality in social work. It's not a neutral profession. Um, and if we let go of that pro stance, we can quite easily start to undermine human rights. Um, and that's been shown through, through historical examples. Um, second, there has been this tendency for social workers to prioritise self-image at the expense of the people that we're supposed to serve. And that's obviously completely antithetical to social work ethics, but it happens in every in every structure and in every institution. Um, and social work might like to think of itself as different from other kind of powerful institutions, but it's still a powerful institution. So we've got to be really, really careful of that. Um, and they also kind of argue that when we're thinking about social work ethics, we've got to be prepared to engage with the messiness of the ethics, because if we just have a code that says, all social workers must do X, Y, and Z and not do ABC. Then when things go wrong, you can say, well, there's just this bad apples. Um, and there mm. are obviously going to be some social workers who are unethical because there are in every institution. Um, but if you, if you kind of just say it's down to individuals, like kind of have a real individual approach to social work ethics, then you don't engage with the fact that actually it's a really complex, messy area of work. And there's going to be situations where there is no right answer. We've got to be able to talk about that and figure out what to do and how we can work through those things. And that, so there's, there needs to be collaborative ethics, basically. We've got to have collective approach to ethics and discuss the messy areas, including the history um, as a profession. So it's another it's another reason really for um, not just being me in my role, but being me as part of profession, because I'm going to come across things that are too much for an individual to to handle and to engage with. And you need um, the profession around you 
to mm. to sustain you through those difficult um, moral times as well. You know? And I think it's important to say this is not just historical, Jerry. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, these I, things I are going on right now. So, this, yeah, they're using the historical examples to say we have to be doing this. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, definitely, I think that there's been, you know, some very recent research around, um, you know, child protection and the overrepresentation of people who live in poverty mm -hmm. um, in, in, our, in our services. Um, and there's been, you know, quite a lot of um, research around the way that we treat uh, black children um, and minoritised children and how, you know, sometimes they're more likely to be in care and other times they're, they're not, depending on, you know. Yeah, yeah you and know, actually the, the other thing that they talk about is the need to have these discussions with people who've been affected by social work and, and be not be professionally defensive because one of the things that professionals can start doing is kind of putting up like walls mm. can't they so we know best kind of thing that is not the kind of profession that we want for social work yeah because we've got to be able to talk about yeah this is this is really interesting to me this whole part because we have to be able to talk about you know our roles and the and the way that they uh, that we can be instruments of the st of of the state really, and how we can how some of the things that we're doing can be um, kind of swayed by public opinion, and you know, so our roles can be shaped by public opinion, and that's not always in the best interests of the people that we're actually working with. Some of those opinions and some of those ideas. Um, and certainly, you know, um, there's been there has been a lot of conversation about, you know, historical stuff. So, you know, certainly in Australia, the children who came over from England, mm -hmm. um, you know, who were separated from their families and parents and sent out to Australia to live. Um, and more recently, there's been the conversations about unmarried mothers. Um, being forced to give up their children and social workers were often heavily involved in 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 that part of work and and I'm sure that when we look back on this time there's going to be identified areas of practice that we will realize that we shouldn't have been involved in that we might even know about now but I do think for me, it is about how do we as a profession continue to challenge ourselves to challenge each to challenge each other, to challenge the wider um, environment around us so that we can, as you say, really be aware of the messiness and the, and the difficulty involved in what we do and the price of what we do, not to feel guilty or not to step into defensiveness, but to be as thoughtful and as authentic and as helpful and collaborative as we can be with people. Yeah, and um, to be and accountable to, for that past and, and to where be our practices yeah. have come from. And I think yeah. it's, um, you know, maybe, I haven't kind of looked into this, but it, I would hypothesise that part of the reason that we're having these discussions now is because it's more of a global profession and social workers from different places and different backgrounds and different experiences are challenging each other. Yeah. Um, and that's, and really, that's good. really good. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but what you don't want to do is you don't want to because because I often talk, you know, like I often talk about human rights when I'm when I'm teaching, and you know I've got groups of really busy social workers who are just absolutely trying to juggle demand of their job with the resourcing and all that kind of stuff, and they're barely lifting their heads up. And I'm wanting to talk to them about whether the actions and the things that they're doing each day and the encounters they're having are, are um, you know humane and whether they're helping people thrive and whether they're allowing people to you know hold their heads up and sometimes those conversations can end up with social workers feeling as if they have to defend themselves or or pulling away from the conversations because they they feel a sense of guilt and that's not what you want to evoke like you don't want to evoke guilt or shame in people, in anyone, actually, when you're trying to have discussions with them. You want to think about ways that they can use their resourcing or that they can use support from their peers and the wider community to enable them to do work that resonates with their purpose mm-hmm. and that feels useful and helpful to others. Yeah, and that lobbying for you know, social workers to be able to do like valuable ethical social work, that's not for each each individual social worker on their own. That's for us collectively to be doing and yeah. to be doing with people who um who will, will receive social work services and um and to be kind of getting the barriers out of the way so that those people have as much voice as possible. Um yeah, and holding the state accountable through voting and through you um the public yeah and getting out stories of um what social workers do well and how that matters and how they were able to do it and challenging funding decisions and resource decisions and looking at our communities and seeing where where we can actually you know help strengthen them so i think there's there's a lot of good things to do and that and that's you know that's when i think about that that kind of makes the role that i've taken on as a social worker feel worthwhile because actually we do need social workers lobbying for social workers and in some ways the more under pressure social work is the more important it is to hold on to that sense of what social work can be yes um and is in the places where it's it's supported and working well um and hold on to that voice because you know things do change and one of the things that sustains us social workers is that sense of the potential for change so we need to hold on to that for our profession as well you know Mm. because even in this this sort of 20 years that i've been qualified there have been better and worse times to be a social worker yes Um, and and all the way through that you have to kind of be holding on to what social work can do given the opportunity Mm. um, as well as trying to realize that as much as possible day to day Um, but that's again i would hope something that sustains social workers that sense of potential um that doesn't just frustrate people, but it actually is, a, is an optimistic thing as well. Yeah, I think I, I hope so, Jerry. And I think that's, you know, and that's why it's so, as you say, it's so important to really know what our profession is capable of at its best mm-hmm. and also to understand the impact of it at its worst and then to work well you know, in between that, because it's because it is um, it is a, a complex and ever-changing environment. I mean, there's been things that have come up in the last, say, ten years, developments, ways that 
issues that I never really I look back at my practice in the 80s, for example, thinking about county lines. Um, and well, in the, the 80s, criminal... you didn't even have the internet, did you? I mean, like, you yeah. look at what's happening with social media and um, the potential for exploitation and abuse. And, yeah. Yeah, all these things. So and, 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 it, and it changes. So if I went back now with everything I have now into that time to practice, I would work with adolescents much differently to how I worked with adolescents then. So, so we're an evolving, growing profession because our societies are evolving and growing and social work's on the edge of society trying to translate between the people who are being disadvantaged or pushed out and the wider society. We're, try, we're trying to, you know, form bridges there and that means that we're always on the edge of new things, aren't we? There's well, this always... is what I think about it. I mean, from my, from my end of the, of the social work spectrum, no one's ever worked with a 90-year-old born in 1933 before. And, and you're and nobody's ever worked with like a, a baby that's going to be born in September 2023 before. Yep. There just haven't been those people before. So. Yep. Yeah. And that's amazing, actually. That's I think that's a nice note to leave it on, isn't it? You know, social work. It's just it's a it's just such a bloody lovely job. 